I'm Dr. Walter Malone Jr., founder of WM Ministries. I want to thank you for joining with me for this segment of Tailored to Win that I might share with you some insights that can inspire, inform, and empower your life. We are doing a study currently this year on the idea, Kingdom Disciples, Kingdom Disciples. And we're looking at this whole idea about a kingdom disciple because the mission of the church, the vision of the church, the calling of the church is to bring every person we can into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and then to help that person to become a mature disciple of Christ. And so uh, with that being our marching orders, we are placing particular focus this year on how we do that in a responsible way as the church of God and what does that look like in our own personal lives. I want you to look with me today in the Gospel of John chapter 8 and we're going to begin with verse 28 in the Gospel of John chapter 8 verse 28. This is spring break, but I'm glad to see those of you who did not go to Paris here with us today. Amen. I think last year you went to Dubai, so I'm glad to see you with us today. In John chapter 8, verse 28, the Word of God reads like this. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am He and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will, make, you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We're talking about kingdom disciples. I open this teaching reminding us today what Jesus declared that had to do with his purpose for coming into the world. Jesus says that the thief cometh not but to steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So when we talk about being Christians, when we talk about being saved, we're talking about the abundant life that God has provided for us in Christ. That's why there is more to our salvation than just carrying the title Christian. 
Being a Christian is not a tag that we wear, but rather it is a life that we live. And it is a victorious life that we live in Christ. As the people of God, we don't just get by. As the people of God, we live with power. We live with purpose. We live with the assurance of knowing that God has laid his hands upon us. We have been changed. We have been transformed to be a part of the kingdom of God. And as people who are a part of the kingdom of God, then we find great joy and we find a sense of contentment in knowing that we are not living just to fulfill some personal uh, ambitions and aspirations, but that we are now in alignment with God so that God is using us to help establish his kingdom in the world. Now with that being the case, then you understand that when we come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there is the first encounter. The first encounter with Jesus is that moment when we came to first know him as Lord and Savior. The first encounter is when God meets you where you are, but he does not leave you where he found you. The first encounter is where God, in the words of our mothers and fathers, he picked me up out of the muck and mire clay and then he established my feet on a solid foundation. Thank God for the first encounter, that encounter where you know that you have come to know God as your personal Lord and Savior. That God is not a figmentation of your imagination. God is not just a good idea, but you've come to know him personally for yourself. After we have that first encounter with God, where God brings about this radical change in our lives, then the next part of our spiritual journey then involves where we go from the first encounter. Our discipleship has to do with I met God at some point along my life's journey and now I'm saying to God where do I go from here? What would you have me to do? How am I to continue to grow and develop in my relationship with you? God I want to know what your will is for my life and I want to know God how do I now live this new life in Christ wherein God my life is going to please you. This is where the ministry of the church becomes so um, significant and where it becomes so needful and necessary for our spiritual formation. We study in the book of Acts that on the day of Pentecost that Peter is going to preach one sermon and after preaching one sermon 3,000 people become a part of the church. We are told in Acts 2.42 and they continue 
continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread, fellowship, and prayer. So that when Peter preached the gospel, what he gave people is what was called the kerygma. The kerygma was the proclamation, the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. After receiving the kerygma, then they continued in what would be called the Didache. The Didache had to do with the teaching of the faith. What does it mean to be a Christian? Who am I in God? How do I pray? What does it mean to live under the anointing of God? And how will God use me in the ongoing purpose of the church? The Didache had to do with the teaching of the apostles and the teaching of the apostles had to do with what Christ had taught them. You remember in the Great Commission, Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of every nation, teaching them to, uh, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have taught you. So it had to do with the apostolic teaching of the church. And the reason why the Didache is so important is that it has to do with your spiritual formation, your spiritual development, your spiritual growth. It has to do with the spiritual direction that is given for that enables us to continue to move forward in our spiritual uh, development, in our discipleship development, in spiritual maturity, so that we can become mature people of God and then be able to carry out the purposes of God in our lives, both individually and collectively as the people of God. So even today in the church, we need both charisma and we need dedicate. We need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and then we need to receive teaching that enables us to continue to move forward in Christ. So what we are engaged in right now is Didache. What I'm doing is I am teaching you the word of God so that we can have clarity on how we continue to move forward in our spiritual growth on our spiritual journey because the worst thing that can happen to any of us is to become spiritually stuck or stayed on the journey. Now, there are two words that I want to present to you this morning that are critical when it comes to our spiritual development and who we are as the people of God. One word is the word bound, bound, B-O-U-N-D, bound. And the other word is free, free, bound, and free bound and free everyone that's joining me virtually in that house you consider yourself bound and then you can say free because you see as the people of God we are either in one or two places either we are bound or we are free and Jesus Christ came to set us free but for many people, they are living lives wherein they are bound. They are not free. And it is not just the people who have never confessed hope in Christ who are bound and not free.
But even people who go to church, even people who would say that they are Christians in many regards, there are church people, there are persons who say they have professed their hope in Christ and yet they're still living a life where in some regards they're still bound and they are not free. But Jesus says, if you continue in my word, you shall know the truth, and the truth will do what? It will set you free. Let me raise up a biblical character who can become a type of illustration or metaphor of what it means to be bound when God really wanted you to be free. You remember Samson in the Old Testament records. You read and study about Samson in the book of Judges. Samson was one of the judges during the time of Israel and he served as a judge in Israel for some 20 years. You remember that one of the nemesis of Israel, one of the enemies of Israel were, was the nation of the Philistines. And Israel had come into bondage again to the Philistines. And Israel came into bondage to the Philistines because of disobedience. We're talking about Israel, the covenant people of God. We're talking about Israel, the one that God had called to be his representative in the world. Isaiah said that Israel was to be a light unto the nation. That is the calling that God had on Israel was that Israel was to show other nations who the true and living God is. But the problem with Israel is that they had this up and down fluctuating relationship with God because there would be times when Israel, uh, God would deliver them and now they had this close relationship with God but then then Israel would disobey God and fall back into spiritual idolatry and then there would be this separation and God had to allow them to be chastised by allowing other nations to come in and take them into captivity or to defeat them in war. So at this particular time when Samson was born, Israel was under the heavy hand of the Philistines. Samson was born to parents and he was born uh, to these parents for a godly purpose. He was to be a Nazarite. God said to Samson's mother, I don't want you to drink any strong drink or wine. I don't want you to touch anything unclean because the child in your womb, the son that's going to be born to you is going to be a Nazarite. A razor is to never touch his head. He is not to drink any strong drink or wine. He's not to touch anything unclean. Samson would be born to be a Nazarite because God had a particular purpose for his life. When Samson came into the world, the Bible says that as he grew and became a man, the Bible says that there were times in his life when the Spirit of God would come upon him, and when the Spirit of God came upon him, he had unusual 
power. When the Bible speaks of the Spirit of God coming upon Samson, we could speak of that as the anointing of God, the presence of God, the power of God. Now the anointing that God gave Samson was for an assignment. It was not just for Samson to have this anointing. It was not just for the Spirit of God to come upon Samson just so he could have some amazing spiritual ecstatic experience but it had to do with a purpose that God wanted to fulfill in his life the Bible says that uh, the spirit of God came upon uh, Samson on one occasion when he was confronted with a lion and Samson had so much power that he took his bare hands and just tore the lion apart the Bible says that the anointing of God came upon Samson so heavy that Samson one day took the jawbone of an ass and slew a thousand Philistines. The Bible says that the, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon Samson uh, on another occasion in a mighty way and he took the gates of Gaza and then carried a host of the soldiers of Gaza away and killed them who had been plotting to take his life. Whenever the Spirit of God came upon Samson, he had unusual and amazing and incredible strength. But the problem with Samson is that while he was a Nazarite and while God had this particular purpose uh, for his life, uh, Samson seemingly took the presence of God, the power of God, the anointing of God upon his life for granted. It's almost as though he felt like he was entitled to it, that he was just supposed to have it. And because of that, he began to dissipate uh, what God had given him. God can give you gifts, but gifts can take you where character can't keep you. And all of us have to be careful that we don't operate with a mindset of feeling like God has to do something for us, that God is obligated to do it, or that we are just supposed to have it in spite of how we live or how we carry our Ourselves. And so as Samson begins to continue to move about, but God was purposing for Samson to be the deliverer. God had purposed for Samson to be the deliverer of Israel from the Philistines. But Samson is going to dissipate his gifts. So Samson gets involved, as you know, with the woman by the name of Deliah. And because of this relationship with Deliah, Samson is now going to find himself in a precarious position. Deliah has been set up by the Philistines to find out where does Samson's strength come from. And so she begins to say to Samson, if you love me, you would tell me where your powers are rooted and grounded. Samson plays this game with her, acting as though he's going to tell her where his strength comes from. But he gave her one statement she found out when she called the Philistines upon him that he just threw them off as though it was nothing. Then she asked him again. He gave her another answer which was not the truth and so again the Philistines 
scene she called upon them they came and Samson just threw them off again as though it was nothing and then he did it again just tell somebody don't play with fire if you keep playing with fire, you're going to get burned. He kept playing this game with Delilah. She kept on pressing him until finally Samson told her about what had to do with his Nazarite uh, 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 requirements or his Nazarite rights. And she said to him, she said, now a razor has never touched my hair. And, and as a part of who I am, I'm, I'm not to ever have my hair shaved or cut. I don't drink wine. And there's certain things that I have been told not to do out of my covenant relationship with God. Now, the power was not in Samson's hair. Let me say it again. The power was not in Samson's hair. But you see, the fact that he was not to cut his hair, or he was not to drink strong drink, he was not to touch that which was unclean, all of those were symbols and signs of his covenant relationship with God. It had to do with his devotion to God, his dedication to God, his commitment to God, his consecration to God, so that when he told Delilah about his hair not being shaved what he was doing is he was breaking his covenant with God the power was not in the hair the power was in the God who gave him the blessing of coming into a covenant relationship with him wherein God says out of your relationship with me I'm going to give you unusual power because of my presence my spirit that will come upon you and after Samson then told Delilah about this uh, covenant relationship with God and about his right as a Nazarite not to have his hair shaved, when she found out, out she brought a man in and they shaved the hair of Samson. And then she called the Philistines upon him. The Bible says that Samson awoke and he sought to throw the Philistines off as he had always done. But this time he found out that the Lord had left him and he knew it not. Brothers and sisters, it's a terrible thing when God leaves you. Because when God leaves you, you're going to find out that you ain't all that you thought that you were. When God leaves you, you'll find out that the source of your strength was never in yourself. It was always in God. When God leaves you, you'll find out that the blessings that you took for granted were blessings that had their source in in God. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He never said, I can do all things in and of myself. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The Bible says that the Lord had left him and he knew it not. So, so now Samson is bound. The Philistines bound Samson and then they 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 
uh, gouged out his eyes. The man who was to deliver Israel from the Philistines, the man who was, who was serving as a judge for Israel for 20 years, the man who was to provide leadership for Israel, finds himself bound in prison with his eyes gouged out. It was not God's plan or purpose for Samson to be bound. It was God's purpose and for Samson to be what? Free. Now, we, 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 know that we know the rest of the story of Samson, that he's in prison, and then they bring him out to have folly with him and to make fun of him. And Samson blind, now he tells this little boy to take me and let me lean against the pillars of the temple. Samson puts one hand on one pillar and another hand on another pillar. And Samson prays to God and says to God, uh, Lord, deliver me. And Lord, let me experience your presence and your power just one more time. Let me die with my enemies. But God, let me have vengeance. Let me, let me pull down this temple that I can destroy the enemies of my people. And the Bible says that when Samson pulled down the temple walls and the temple came down, that he killed more of the Philistines in his death than he did in his life. We can look upon that as the grace of God. But I want to warn you today that you ought not want to live your life like that. You ought not want to live your life where you're asking God to do something as a kind of secondary plan, if you please, wherein God is now showing you grace and mercy to uh, fulfill what he always wanted to fulfill from the very beginning. We ought to want to live our lives when we come into a relationship with God where we don't live as people who are bound, but we live as people who are free. I pray every day. I pray every day. I pray for you every day. But I do want you to know that while I pray for you every day, I pray for myself every day. And there's one prayer that I pray to God every day. If I don't ask God for nothing else, I pray this prayer every day. And I don't mind telling you what it is. Every day I ask God to help me to stay free, to stay focused, and to keep all fear out of my life. That's a daily prayer for me. I'm going to give it to you one more time. I ask God every day to help me to stay free, to help me to stay focused, and to help me to keep all fear out of my life. Because I'm convinced that those are three things that the devil wants to do. He wants me to be bound. He wants me to be distracted. 
And he wants me to live in fear as opposed to living with confidence and assurance. So I'm saying to God, please help me to stay free. Help me to stay focused and help me to keep all fear out of my life. So when I think about Samson, I say to myself, it's possible to be a part of the church to declare that one is a Christian and still be bound as opposed to being free if we're not careful. In this text, in John 8, Jesus says that if you continue in my word, you will be my disciple. That is, you will be a learner and you will know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It really caught my attention uh, in the opening part of this pericope when Jesus says, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. Listen to what Jesus says. He says, I do nothing of myself, but as my Father taught me. How many of us can say we live like that today? That we don't do anything of our own accord. That we are so surrendered, so submitted to God that we can say, I, I don't do anything of myself. What I do is not about my will. It's about God's will and what God is teaching me. It sounds like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, doesn't it? Trust in the Lord with all of thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your path. And then I also took note that Jesus says, the Father has not left me alone. Did not God make that same promise to you and I? I'll never leave you, and I'll never what? Forsake you. For I always, listen to what Jesus says, for I always do those things that please him. Now, if that's how Jesus lived his life in relationship to the Father, what about you and I? We ought to be saying, everything I do, I want to always do that which what? Pleases my Father. I don't make a move without God. Because what I do is what God is teaching me. Secondly, everything I do, I'm trying to do it and to do that which is going to what? Please God. Now, uh, John says that those Jews who believed in Jesus after this, that Jesus begins to speak to them about their discipleship development, that if you continue in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But you see, it has to do with those who believed, because everyone who heard Jesus did not believe. And when you look at the context of this text, we are reminded that Jesus had come into conflict with the religious establishment of his day. The Pharisees and the scribes gave Gave Jesus a deaf ear and Jesus had already said some things that bothered them because Jesus says he says I am the light of the world you read that in verse 12 of chapter 8 
He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So when Jesus says he is the light of the world and those who follow him will not walk in darkness, then he was implying to the Pharisees and the scribes that I'm in the light, but you are in darkness. And then in verse 23 of chapter 8, Jesus says, you are from beneath and I am from above. You are of this world and I am not of this world. So now Jesus is saying that I am of heaven. And the way you are directing your life, you're getting ready to end up in the consequences of hell. Because you're of the world, but I'm not of the world. And the world is diametrically opposed to the will of my Father. So now Jesus having said to them that he's in light, they're in darkness, that he's above but they're beneath, that they are of the world and because they are of the world they are now subject, subjecting themselves to the future of hell. Then Jesus thirdly in this pericope says to them that your problem is that you are in slavery, that you are in bondage. And when Jesus says that they're in bondage, listen to what they said in verse 33. They answered Jesus and said, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will, you will be made free? Just look at somebody and say, this is denial. I mean, how, how could they look at Jesus Listen to what they just said. How can they look to Jesus and say, we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage? They don't even know their own history. I'm talking about never been in bondage. Israel been in bondage on several occasions. In bondage to the Egyptians, in bondage to the Philistines, in bondage to the Babylonians, in bondage to the Assyrians. What are they talking about? We are Abraham's descendants and we have never been in bondage. This is what you call denial. And how many of us have been living our lives oftentimes in denial? Got a major problem, but won't confess up to it. Got serious issues in our lives, but won't be honest not only with others, we won't be honest with ourselves about what we're struggling with. Right? So often we are in denial. God wants to free us. God wants to deliver us. God wants to heal us. But the problem is we refuse to confess and tell the truth about our own position, our own dilemmas, our own issues. But I want to help somebody. If you will just go on and be honest with yourself and be honest with God, God can turn it around. In 
in your life. But you got to quit lying to God. You got to quit lying to yourself. You got to quit lying to everybody around you. You're going to have to be transparent enough and, and honest enough to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. But if you'll just get vulnerable with God, if you'll get transparent with God, if you'll be honest with God, I'm going to tell you, God will meet you where you are, but he won't leave you where he found you. And he'll bring about a miracle and a healing and a change in your life. But to those who believed, to those who believed, look at what Jesus says. He says, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples. If you abide, if you saturate yourself in my word, if you go down deep in my word and let my word take root in your life, then you will be my disciple. That is, you will be my learner. You will be a follower of me. And the result will be this, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If you abide in my what? Word then you will be my disciple, you will be my learner, you will be my follower. But to be a disciple of Christ, a, a learner of Christ, a follower of Christ, what must we do? Gotta get in this word. Today we're here studying the word of God because we want to do what? Abide in this what? Word, Because see, your being here today, you're making a statement to God. Pastor, what statement am I making? You're saying to God, God, I want to be your disciple. Jesus, I want to be a learner of you. Jesus, I want to be a follower of you. That's why I'm here. I could be doing something else. I joined this study because I want more word. And listen to what the word of God tells us. If you look at Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse Four, Matthew 4 verse 4 Jesus says it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God I need more than cornbread I need God's what? Word. And then in Colossians, if you look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, the, uh, Paul says to the Colossians, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. When you let that word dwell in you richly, that means you're doing what? You are abiding in the word and you're allowing that word to begin to saturate your spirit. And then listen again to what Paul says to Timothy, his understudy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, beginning with verse 15. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Look at somebody say, you got to get in the word 
Yeah, you got to get in the word. And it is not just the preachers, not just the pastor who is to be diligent in studying the word of God. Every Christian, every child of God has got to take serious as a disciple, studying the word, reading the word, meditating on the word, letting the word of God saturate your very life. Got to get in that word. You ought to read the word, brothers and sisters, every day. Read the word. You ought to meditate on the word every day. You ought to spend time studying the Bible every day. Not just here at the noon Bible study, not just tonight at 7 o'clock, not just on Sunday in morning worship service, not just in the Connection Group Bible study. In your personal life, you got to get in this word. Amen. <laughs> because, because, you see, what happens is when you get in the word, what's going to happen? You're going to know the truth. <laughs> and not just any kind of truth. You're going to know not just historical truth or scientific truth or political truth. No, you're going to know truth that's related to the spiritual dimension of your life. You're going to know the truth. And Jesus says that truth is going to set you free. Because the truth God's going to give you is going to be truth that's going to help you to better understand who you are. It's going to help you understand who God is. It's going to help you understand who you are in a relationship with God. It's going to help you understand how you continue to cultivate the spirit man, how to pray, how to study the word of God, uh, the truth of the word of God in terms of your salvation. What does it mean to be justified? What does it mean to be sanctified? What it means to be glorified? What is the kingdom of God all about? God's going to reveal to you the things that people in the ordinary will never understand. Because he's going to help you understand how to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. He's going to move you from the natural to the supernatural. He's going to let you understand the deep things, the deep things, not shallow, but the deep things of the kingdom of God. And that will set you free. The devil will not be able to keep on yanking your chain. The devil will not be able to hold you in bondage because you'll be able to break those chains because you're going to know the truth and the truth's going to set you free. And then you become freer and freer and freer. The more you grow in spiritual maturity, the freer you become in Christ. Now, now, um, you abide in the word and you'll know the truth and the truth's going to set you free. Which implies that I'm not only biblically literate but I'm also biblically obedient. Because there are some people who are biblically literate, but they're not biblically obedient. <laughs> oh, 
they, they, they've been exposed to truth and they've even learned some truth. <laughs> the problem is they just don't apply it to their lives. But if you're going to be free, you got to know the truth and then you got to apply the truth that you know. Right? It's like going to see a doctor and he gives you a prescription and you don't get it filled and you don't take the medicine. You know, well, you're going to stay sick. You know, when God gives us revelation, when he gives us truth and he gives us insight, God says, I'm expecting you to apply this to your everyday life. So then Jesus concludes this, this presentation. He says, there's a difference between a slave and a son. Because the slave is what? Bound. And the son is what? Free. And I told you at the beginning of this study, I said there's two words I want you to take hold of. Bound and free. Because see, brothers and sisters, either we are a slave or we are a son. And Jesus says there's a difference between a slave and a son because the son has the freedom to move about in the house wherever the son wants to go. He can move about in the house. The son can stay in the house as long as he chooses to stay in the house because he's free. But the slave does not have access in the house like the son. The slave cannot move about. The slave can't stay in the house like the son because the slave is bound. But Jesus says that if you continue my word, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. And then he says, and whom the son sets free is free indeed. Aren't you glad today that where you are now is not where you've always been. Aren't you glad about that? The Son set you free. You, you have the freedom to rise above your personal sins. You have the freedom now to pursue holiness. You have the freedom now to continue to grow. You have the freedom now to live with purpose, the freedom now to live with power, the freedom now to continue to pursue every vision and every dream that God has given to you and what he purposes to do in your life. It's wonderful to live with that kind of freedom because that freedom gives you assurance. That freedom gives you confidence. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God be praised. Thank you for sharing with us today for this segment of Tailored to Win. I pray that this word has brought encouragement and empowerment to equip you to live a faithful and fruitful life to the glory of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm.